Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. All right. How are we? We awake and alive? Feeling okay? Awesome, awesome. I want to welcome everybody. Welcome everybody at all of our locations today, wherever you are tuning in. If you're at the West Side campus or if you're in Halifax or Charlottetown or anywhere else online, we are glad that you're with us today. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. I'm just going to find my notes here and get things rolling. Joshua chapter 3, we're jumping in. Today is an important day because we are closing a series that we're calling Next 40. And we have been, over the last few weeks, establishing the significance of this time that we're in and even this day. You know, 49 weeks of the year here at King's Church, everything we're doing is being pushed out into the community. All that we're trying to do is to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. That's our vision. That's our mandate. And we live to see that happen. But we take a few weeks every single year where we kind of take stock and we reinvest and we sow into the ministry so that we can reach further than ever before. And that's really what we've been doing over these last few weeks as we have been exploring this series called Next 40. And today's an important day as we wrap this up, not just because it's an annual rhythm that we do, but beyond that, this is a kind of a once every 40 years kind of day because we, as if you've not been paying attention, are celebrating our 40th birthday, our 40th anniversary And we did some work a few weeks ago trying to talk about the significance of these moments of 40. If you are a Christian or you've ever read the Bible, you'll pick up a theme that the number 40 is important, that it signifies a moment of transition, a time of testing, and a divine moment of appointment and opportunity. And so we have, over the last few weeks, been trying to ask the question, you know, how do we get clarity over the last 40 years? And then, of course, seize the opportunity for the next 40. And so if you're with us last week, we we really got some clarity. It was an exciting moment to be able to watch just the tip of the iceberg of what God has done over the last 40 years. How many were really just moved to watch those videos that were put together by our team? Just an incredible testimony here at our church. Uh, I'll say this, and and I mean it. God knows my heart. I don't have any other word for it, but I'm proud of what God has done through this church. Are you, like, you look back over 40 years of ministry, and I'm just, like, like Paul says, you know, there's an, there's an appropriate place for pride, and if your pride is in anything but the Lord, it's sin, but you can boast in the Lord, and I am, I, I am just proud of what God has done in and through this church over 40 years. We haven't always gotten it right, we haven't always done it perfect, but when you look back over the long haul and see what God has done, it's incredible to see what He has done, and I'm grateful for it. But today we're looking forward to seizing the opportunity of what's next. And I want to title my brief message because I want to spend a few moments here at the end of my message really laying out what our priorities are for this next year as a church, kind of strategic steps we're taking. But before we do that, I have a bit of a word. It's going to be like 20 minutes, so we're going to like supercharge this word. I'm going to resist the profound temptation to preach a full message on these points. But here's the title of my my brief message, The First Steps of the next 40 years. The first steps of the next 40 years. In Joshua chapter 3, we're going to pick up, we're going to read just 10 verses. But to give you some backstory as to what had been happening, Joshua is about to lead Israel into the promised land. And this is a land that wasn't just promised to Joshua or Moses who preceded him, 
but it was actually promised generations before to their father, Abraham. God had told them, I'm going to put you in a land and I'm going to establish your family so that you will be blessed to be a blessing on earth and that all of your neighbors will be blessed because of what I do in and through you. And I'm giving you this land, I promise you. And he cut a covenant with them. But we find out that the story of Israel goes that Israel found themselves in slavery in Egypt. And after several hundred years, God raised up a man named Moses. And Moses came and through the power of God, the miraculous hand of God, God liberated Israel from the slavery of Egypt and brought them out into a wilderness en route to the promised land. But it didn't quite go as was God's intention. In fact, we find out that when Israel got 40 days later to the border of Canaan, where God had promised to give them, they sent in 12 spies to look it, look it over and to figure out what their next steps were going to be. But instead of those 40 days getting inspired and excited for what God was going to do, they got overwhelmed by the obstacles that they saw, great giants and walls and armies and fortresses, and they were overwhelmed, and they lost sight of the lessons they just learned about God's unstoppable power. And so they come back, and 10 of the spies reported, hey, we don't want any part of this. There's big giants in the land. We, don't, we, we, we haven't got what it takes to deal with this. And only two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, no, we believe what God told us. God promised us this. God will surely not fail us. Let's go. And yet the nation of Israel believed the bad report. And so for the next 40 years, while that generation died off, God was preparing this next generation to step in. And this is where we arrive today. At the moment before Joshua and the children of Israel step into the promised land, I want to read it just to get a few points of insight for us for our moments of transition. And this would apply not just for us as a church as we step into a new season, but for you as an individual. These principles that we can pull out of here are going to help you in your time of transition. If you haven't noticed yet, you're in one. This is one of those moments between what was and what is going to be. Amen? Have you recognized that yet? So this is going to be helpful for you. Really quick, let's read it. It says in Joshua chapter 3, it says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, and that was the border between them and the promised land. There's a river. He and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, the symbol of God's presence among us in his covenant to us. As soon as you see it being carried by the priests, then you'll set out from your place and you will follow it. Yet there will be a distance between you and it. Put it way out there so you don't lose sight of it. 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you will go. It's going to lead you, they're saying. For you have not passed this way before. You're going to have to follow his lead. There's so much in there. I can't preach that whole message. Verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. It goes on into verse 6. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. And as Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you will know that the living God is among you. And that he will without fail, look at the faith, drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Gigasites, the Amorites, the Cellulites, the Parasites, the Jebusites, all the ites, just seeing if you're paying attention. I want to just look for a minute. What happens next? We don't have time to dig into this too deep. But what happens next is, of course, just as God commanded, Joshua mobilizes Israel. They take the ark and the priests lead the ark and they step down into the Jordan. And miraculously, the water of the Jordan stops flowing and the whole nation of Israel passes in to that land. And it's a picture of salvation. There's so many ways we could go off into the weeds that are awesome. We can't do that today. But I want just for our purposes today to look at what they did to step forward. These three steps they took. And I'm going to just put them out here really quickly. Are you ready? You with me? Number one, three steps for the next 40 years. The first step, as we kind of consider what Joshua did, the first step we need to do is to step in, to step into a renewed sense of calling and conviction. Did you notice what they did first? They did not think about the obstacles. They did not think about the giants that were ahead of them, the challenges or the opportunities. They didn't keep their eyes on the prize or think about the return on investment that they had before them. What was the first thing they did? They consecrated themselves and they put the Ark of the Covenant out in front of them. It's a picture of putting first things first. I love that. It's so clear that they did not go following their logic. They did not go following their strength or their technology. They didn't go following even their history. What did they do? They followed the promise and the presence of God into the future. They put first things first. God is God and we are his people and we are purposed to follow him and him alone. That was, what, that was the first step they did. They put first things first. They, they consecrated themselves. Did you notice that in the text? Joshua goes through the camp, consecrate yourselves. What, is, what does it mean to consecrate? It means to set apart. Or in other words, set yourself apart as you set aside things that are secondary. You put first things first. And I think that's such a pertinent thing for us to think about right now in this in-between transitionary season. It's a moment where there's a lot of things in flux and there's a lot of things kind of just moving around. Anybody feel like your life's a whirlwind right now? Well, right now is not a time to try to grab all the things. What it is a time to do is to put the first things first. To put God in his rightful place. To begin with him, like Jesus said. You know what Jesus told us to do? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will fall into place. And that's ultimately what the children of Israel do. And that's what we need to consider as we start to move forward into a new season. Into this next 40 season or even into this post-COVID season. In Jesus' name. We cannot come out of this haphazardly or not knowing what is priority, we have got to absolutely establish him, God in his rightful place, Jesus in his rightful place, to prioritize him. And I will be the first to confess, there have been moments over the last 18 to 20 months where he has not been the main thing on my mind. Anybody else honest in church today? 
This is a moment for us where we say, no, no, as for me and my house, like Joshua would say later, we, we will serve the Lord. We put the ark, we put the promise, we put what God has done for us and what he's called us unto, we put that first. How many of you would say, you know what, there's been times in my life as I look back over in the past that I had a greater grip on who God was and what he did for me and what he's called me to. Now is a time to take a greater grip, to grab a hold again of what he has done, to keep the main thing, the main thing. What's the main thing we need to do to keep the main thing, the main thing? What's the main thing? We are the people of God on the mission of God. We have been redeemed and restored and set apart and set aside so that God can use us to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. God did not just bless us to sit on our blessing and go off to heaven someday. He set us apart and set us on mission. He wants his kingdom to come through you and I to invade St. John and to invade Halifax and invade Charlottetown and invade St. Stephen and wherever else we can. God wants to access people through us. That's the point. If God just wanted to save you, would he not have just whisked us off to heaven already? He has purposes. There is land to conquer. There are people to reach. There is things to be done yet. God has been reminding me of the urgency of this mission and how when I don't get intentional about thinking about it, sometimes I lose sight of it. I was on a, I was on a flight home a few weeks ago from Toronto and there was, a, there was a gentleman on the flight and just a, you know, a guy in his, I think his 50s and a guy here in St. John. And it turned out, we, we saw him there that night and it turned out he passed away in his sleep uh, the next day. And I found, I heard that news and I was shocked and rattled by it. And at first, you know, feeling grief for his family, of course. But then I had the thought, the Lord kind of checked my spirit and said, you didn't think once about his soul. I don't know if he knows Jesus or not. I didn't really know him like that. And God checked my spirit and said, how many people do you walk by that I died for, that I gave my life for, and I want to reach, and yet you aren't even considering it? And I, I think this is one of those moments where we need to just reset ourselves and remind ourselves, you know what's more important than your retirement? People meeting Jesus. You know what's more important than your car, than your house, than your, than your vacation plans, what have you, than your job, your day job? People meeting Jesus, that will be the only thing we celebrate in eternity is who's here and what God did to get us here. We have got to set aside secondary things to consecrate ourselves. Number two, we need to step out into new levels of faith. I'll be quick on this. But did you notice the faith of Joshua? When God said, God promised him, what did Joshua say? Despite these challenges that we're stepping into, we've never faced things like this. We've never faced Jerichos. We've never faced the Hittites and Canaanites and Parasites and all the ites. We've never done it before. And yet, what does Joshua say? We'll figure it out. No, he doesn't. He says, God will surely not fail us. He doubles down on his faith. And this was new level faith. And you know what we need to realize? that the faith of yesterday does not please God anymore. Like, it's not hard to believe God for what he's already done. You know that? Like, I can believe God for the things he's consistently done. It's faith to believe him to do greater things yet. 
That's faith that pleases God. And we're in a moment right now. We've got to stir up new levels of faith. Faith that can appropriately please God. You know, we watched a video last week celebrating the different stages over the last 40 years. And we marvel at the faith of a few dozen people who, who started out in, at King's Church. And their steps that they took. And you know what? We saw God move. I mean, you, you think about these people, you know, 30-some, maybe 40 people back in an elementary school who were believing God to reach the community of Quispam Sis and the Kennebecasis Valley. And they believed that God could and would do it. And you know what? He did. And he showed up. And then we, we saw over throughout the 80s, then into the 90s, then into the 2000s, at each stage, greater measures of faith, more people, bigger reach, more, more things to deal with. And yet God, every single time, showed up. Well, you know what? Now we need to demonstrate what it looks like for a people in three provinces, four, soon to be five locations, online, all over the place. It's our turn for a new, new expression of faith. You know, and, and we need to stir up a certain degree of optimism like Joshua had that God will surely not fail us. And I think about the fact, look at how much God has done through a few dozen people over 40 years. Like if, he, if we started with that and we've ended up here in 40 years, what on earth or what in heaven could God do in another 40 years beginning where we're at right now? with all that God has done and all that God has given us and all the human and financial and, and material resource that we have at our disposal, what could God do? We need to stir up faith. We need to look back, not to commemorate. Churches get in trouble that way. You notice that? Start to enshrine the past. We need to look back, not to commemorate, but to activate and motivate our faith, to remind ourselves that if he did it back then, he can do it today. And if he did it for them, he'll do it for us. Some of you are like, I was there. Yeah. So you know. If he did it for them, he can do it for us. And if he can take a few people and turn it into thousands, what can he do with a few thousand in another 40 years? We ask the question. And I'm asking this question. If God can do all that he did, starting with a few dozen people over 40 years, imagine what could be done through a few thousand. This is a moment where we reestablish, we, we think about, we step out into new levels of faith. I told you I was going to be quick. Number three, number three. Oh, number one, number two, number three. Here we go. Step forward. We need to step away from what was. I've been struggling with this over the last 18 months, just struggling with leaving the past behind. Anybody else? Anybody else grieving maybe what was? We actually need to step forward. In this moment where Israel steps from, you know, the wilderness into the promised land, their test was the same test that their forefathers had and failed. What, what did, how did they fail the test? Well, God delivered them from Egypt. God got them out of Egypt, but here was the problem. Egypt never got out of them. And they could not stop looking back. At certain points over the 40 years in the wilderness, Israel actually longed to go back to Egypt. They actually longed to go back to what was. And what trips up the people of God is an overconnection to the past where we lose sight of the fact that God is a God of new, who does new things, who leads us from glory to ever-increasing glory. That's what God does. 
I was, I've been studying the book of Nehemiah and Ezra and the story of how God brought Israel back from exile. It's felt pertinent to, to where we're at right now in this season of human history and church history. And so I've been studying it. And there's this passage in Nehemiah chapter 8 where they begin to build the temple. If you know the story, the temple was destroyed, Solomon's temple. And so they start to build a new temple. And there's this really neat passage in chapter 8 of Nehemiah where it says there was, there was a lot of joy and celebration at the sight of a temple being built. And yet within the joy and laughter and celebration, they could hear weeping and crying and mourning. And it said that they, you couldn't tell if there was laughter or tears because the young generation were seeing something new begin. But those who had seen the former temple were grieving at what this wasn't. They, they saw the glory of Solomon's temple, and now they're seeing this new thing being built, and they say, this isn't as good as that. And so they're weeping. And yet what they didn't know and what they didn't recognize in that moment, and Nehemiah comes along and says, no, this is a moment to rejoice because God is doing a new thing. That generation that were weeping because it didn't look as good to them, they did not realize that in this temple the Messiah was going to show up. See, God always does new things, and they sometimes look different. This is why the, the Scripture says, don't despise the days of small beginnings. This is why God tells us in Isaiah to forget the former things. Behold, I am doing a new thing. It springs up. God is a God who does new things, and he leads us from glory to ever-increasing glory. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 3, God does not lead us to what is less. God is a God who leads us from glory to greater glory. And that's what we have got to resolve ourselves, to remind ourselves right now that God is leading us into greater things. You know, I've been on a lot of long walks with God lately. And I've had my own pandemic pains, just like all of you have. There's an added layer of church pain that has just been, uh, it's been tough because there's been a lot of people that have fallen away, fallen off. I don't know where they are. We, we, don't, we have we just lost connection. And the church really has been whittled down into a, into a remnant, a core. And I've found myself grieving a lot about what was and what was lost and who's not here. And over the last few weeks, two different times, God has spoken to me very clearly, just saying, son, forget the former things. I'm about to do something new. I'm about to do something greater. And that's what this moment is. We're in a moment of newness where we're stepping in to what God is going to do in a new season. How many are thankful that God's best actually comes out later? Did you know that? I mean, you read the stories of Jesus. God is a God who saves the best for last. His government is ever increasing. His glory is ever increasing. His goodness is ever increasing. And I just want to declare over us today that God's best days are not behind us that the best things we've seen God do are not behind us, that if you, let me say this unequivocally, if you follow Jesus, the best is yet to come. If you are a follower of Jesus, there is greater yet to come. And we have got to resolve to, to, to believe that as we step forward, that God is about to do a new thing and it's going to be better than the former things. It's going to be greater than the former things. We celebrate what God has done, but we in turn use it to motivate us for new levels of faith as we step forward to see God do a new thing. So that's my little message today. Three steps. Step into a renewed calling, step, a new sense of conviction, step out into new levels of faith, and step forward. We've got to let go of what was 
This is a formal moment of letting go of what was, that God, we thank you for what you did in the 80s. We thank you for what you did in the 90s. We thank you for what you did in the 2000s and the 10s. It's time for a 1920s, or 1920s, a 2020, a 2020s work of God. Amen? I want God to do something new. I want God to move in our midst like never before. I want to see new people come to know Jesus. I want to see God reach the next generation. I want to see God reach into my kids' generation. I want to see revival and renewal in the high schools and in junior highs. I want to see the church start to fill up with people finding Jesus for the first time ever. That's what I want to see, a new work for a new day. Amen? Amen. So I want to give us, and that's what really today is all about. Today is is a deposit in a new work for a new day. And I'm going to ask us all to consider giving and taking a step of faith financially to sow in to this ministry so that we can reach farther than ever before. But I want to give you some insight into our three priorities this year that we're really trying to do. Here's our kind of next 40 steps of, of what we're going to do. So today, I'm praying and believing that God stirs many of us up to, to invest sacrificially into the church. And here's where we're going to put it. Here's what we want to do. This is our next step priorities. Here's the first one. We want to build out our ministry infrastructure. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is to beef up this church to make it stronger and healthier than ever before. You know what I know to be true? The best thing that we can give Atlantic Canada, it's not Love Week, it's not Celebrate Recovery, it's not good sermons, it's not kids ministry, it's not evangelism, it's not all those singular things. The best thing that King's Church can give to Atlantic Canada is a healthy, anointed, transformative, glory-filled, power-packed King's Church. That is the best thing we can give. Jesus did not come to establish a ministry. He came to raise up a people who were ministers. And that is ultimately what we're trying to do. We want to, we are engaging and embracing the fact that the church is the hope of the world. And I unapologetically will say we are God's gift to Atlantic Canada. We are. Check your pulse. Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you belong to his church? Then you are God's gift. God has established us for such a time as this, for such a place as this. This is our time. This is our mission And God has raised us up for this purpose. The church is the hope of the world. I hope you realize that. Ah, man, let me just get off notes for a second. I have felt that so much lately. Like watching governments spin their wheels and watching economies fluctuate and all the concerns and worries of our day. And, and you know, everyone's got their idea as to what's going to fix the world. You know, we just need better government measures and we need economic freedom or whatever all those things are. Do you know what history has proven? That every government has failed because it doesn't deal with the human heart. It doesn't fix the problem of the human heart. And at some point, whether it's capitalism or communism, whether it's you're a libertarian or you're a socialist, either way, those will fail because of the wickedness of the human heart. That at the end of the day, people are self-serving, except the people of God. When God gets a hold of our heart, we become the only nation, the only group, the only organization, the only army that does not exist for itself, but exists for the benefit of others. That's why the church is the hope of the world because when we are doing what God has called us to do and we allow him to do that transformative work in us, there is no one like it. There is nothing like it. 
And so we want to invest. We want, we want King's Church Halifax to be built up. We want West Side to be built up, Charlottetown, the Valley. We want our ministries to be built up because the church is God's heart and God's plan on the earth. It's the only eternal, empowered, grace-filled, selfless organization on planet earth that can be sustained by the power of God. And so we unapologetically are going to, to, to invest in our ministries, our locations, our infrastructure, our, our facilities, all of it. Number two, if you want to pull that up for me, my, my uh, remote's not working. Number two, we want to, number two, hit it again. Yes. Turn out disciples. We want to turn out disciples. We're going to actually create a, uh, like a, an engine to actually build up disciples. One of the things that I, uh, I'm, I'm convinced of one of the great challenges of our day is that there is, a, there is a pastoral leadership shortage in the church and there is a discipleship epidemic in the church. That we are missing things nowadays, like uh, anybody grow up going to Sunday school? We're missing stuff like that. That, that Christians are, are, are uneducated in, in many senses. And so we want to build something. And so I told you a few weeks ago about the King's Academy of Ministry. If you want to bring that up, next slide. The King's Academy of Ministry, we are creating an arm of our ministry that is going to serve for the purpose of raising up leaders, training up disciples, and building up the regional church. That we're actually creating a whole infrastructure within our church that's going to do this. It's going to raise up leaders, train up disciples, and build up the regional church. If you go to the next slide, I've got a bit of a breakdown as to what that means. What do I mean by raising up leaders? This was birthed for this reason. We... Our church has benefited from uh, just people being called into ministry, like, like the Adam Brewers and the John Robertsons and the Anthony Moores and the Jay Muirs. We have a, a, a long line of people who God pulled out of the marketplace into ministry. And we believe that we actually have got to create something that takes somebody who has a, a call in their life, and they're coming out of the marketplace and they need to figure out how to become a pastor. And so we have started and we are in partnership with Kings, Kingswood University where we are creating a one-year ministry apprenticeship program where people are going to be trained in like this supercharged boot camp to become uh, equipped to work in the church ministry. Along with that, we are creating a, a multi-year program of pastoral leadership. This is so people can be ordained in the Wesleyan Church. They can be lead pastors, campus pastors. They can be sent out to other churches as well because our vision isn't just for our church. We're also going to be continuing. We've had a great track record over the last few years in seeing people restored back into ministry. The church has for a long time done a poor job of extending grace and redemption to pastors. And we have felt a call from God because it's been in our history and in our story, redemption for all people. And so we want to double down on that. We want to be a place of healing for pastors who are broken and have failed and need a second chance. How many of you know everyone needs second chances? And then God has put on my heart to establish a ministry in the marketplace network. I don't totally know all that it's going to mean other than this. Uh, we have got to bring an end to the day where the church has communicated that the serious disciples go into ministry. Everyone has a ministry. And God wants you to find out how to be on mission in your job in the marketplace. 
And we're going to create a network of people who want to see their job as a ministry. And so we're going to be establishing that. We're going to be training up disciples. What do I mean by that? We're creating basically the discipleship engine of our church is going to come under the King's Academy. This is where we're actually uh, beginning to step deeper into a partnership with Alpha. Uh, not just Alpha, the evangelism course, but Alpha Marriage, Alpha Parenting. Uh, we're going to be rolling out a lot more with that. Uh, we are going to be running a Christian Essentials course. This is going to be a course for people who want to go deeper. They want to learn basic Christian theology, uh, have a better gospel understanding. School of the Supernatural, Spiritual Gifts course, our Precepts class. It's been a great thing here at the Valley. Uh, the Bible class, we're going, to be, we're going to be offering spiritual disciplines, all kinds of ways that you can go deeper in your faith. And then ultimately, we're also existing to build up churches. God has done a unique thing at King's Church. He has established us in a way that no other church has ever been established in Atlantic Canada. And he did not do that so we could say, hey, we're the biggest. He did that so that we could raise up others as well. We do not just want King's Church to succeed. Hear it from me. We celebrate any church that preaches Jesus as Lord and Savior that is succeeding. We are, there is only one church the church of Jesus Christ, and we are all just part of it. And so we want to see the church build up in the region. We are going to be partnering with the Buckingham Leadership Institute. We'll be hearing more about that in, in the months to come. But uh, we're going to be partnering with Dr. Laurel Buckingham, who's got an incredible ministry of mentoring pastors all across Atlantic Canada. We're going to be doing uh, mentoring and coaching. We're also going to be putting on conferences to help other ministries thrive and succeed. So I'm really excited about King's Academy. That's another priority for us. And here's the third priority. I gotta, I gotta hurry. The third priority, let's go to the number three. I told you this a couple weeks ago. We're gonna launch our next location. God has given us a burden to be a re regional church where we plant communities in communities. A church gathering and a church community is essentially a beachhead for the kingdom of God. It's a place where, a place of strength where the church and the kingdom can, can go out. And we have felt very much called to go to St. Stephen. And uh, we have been praying for some time about our next location. There's a bunch of places we would like to go, but we kind of listen and try to follow the leading of the Spirit as to where and when He wants us to go. And part of it is just as doors open. And one of the things we've been praying here for the last couple years, the reason we haven't launched uh, a location, I mean, we just launched King's Church Charlottetown, but that was a multi-year process because of the pandemic. And so the reason we haven't actually tried to launch more hasn't been because we haven't wanted to do it. It's because there hasn't been the right time and the right leader in the right place. And now it seems God has raised up the place and already raised up our, our leadership there. And I am really excited. A miracle has happened, really, where God has provided an incredible, incredible uh, leader and his wife who are going to be leading the charge in St. Stephen, somebody who already lives there. And I, I, we, we sat down and we filmed a video, uh, and I want you to check this out. I want you to meet our lead pastor, uh, Pete Stubbs, and his wife, Shauna, as they're going to be leading in St. Stephen. Check out this video. I'll save your applause. You'll be excited in a minute. So King's Church, I am so excited today to introduce to you my friends and soon-to-be partners in ministry, colleagues even, brothers at arms, uh, that's cheesy, but, you know, <laughs> Pete and Shauna Stubbs, uh, you guys have heard the call, you've sensed God calling you to go to St. Stephen, it's not a move in one sense because you live there, 
but in another sense, it's a big move. It's a shift of careers. It's, it represents major, a major step of faith, which is in our DNA as a church. I mean, just last weekend, we celebrated 40 years of faith and how God blesses that. And Mel and I, we had supper with you guys back, I guess, in the summer now. Yeah, and just you guys were processing, uh, maybe this is something God would have you do. And man, we left just that, like so convinced that you know, God had called you guys even before you were like 100%, you know, <laughs> we just knew like all the pieces like in your story of God bringing you to this moment. And we're just so thrilled that God has uh, chosen you to lead something that I think is very special to him in St. Stephen and really for Charlotte County. And so just give us the backstory. I mean, not your life story. We'll, we'll get that and your people will get that at some point, but you know, over the last handful of months, you know, leading up into that and this decision, like, like you've sensed the call. What, how did God get your, get your attention? Yeah. So I've, I've had a call of ministry all my life from an early age, um, but I kind of ran from it for a good chunk of my life. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, found security in the RCMP and yeah. then, uh, ended up, well, it would be 60, over 16 years uh, when the time comes that I, that I leave. And, uh, but about three years ago, I remember being actually in the basement of the detachment in the gym. Yeah. And uh, I was listening to a sermon by Craig Rochelle called Dangerous Prayers. And I remember being on my knees in the basement of, in the gym and uh, putting my hands up and saying, God, give me a burden, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I remember praying it with sincerity and not just thinking, ah, oh, we'll see what happens. I, I wanted a burden. And God birthed in me a burden for St. Stephen. And uh, about a year after that, me and you had, <laughs> had breakfast one day. Yeah. And uh, you kind of in passing said, you know, maybe you could run church in St. Stephen. This, and this is what I would call like, you know, one of the, the biggest challenge for the church moving forward. It's not money, it's people. Right. Like it's, it's leaders. It's not just volunteers at every level, but especially like, like pastoral leaders. And so I, I like shoot for the stars and hope to get the moon. And so like, and in that I was like, I, I mean, I knew that you would make an incredible pastor. I just didn't know if God was going to call it out in you or not. So I just like, well, Hey, I'll just throw, well, throw that out there, happens. not <laughs> expecting anything. And yeah. then you, you messaged me. I was at new river beach with you and the kids this summer. And you're like, hey, we need to talk. And I was like, yes, yeah. what's this? <laughs> and, and so it was just before that. So this summer, Adam preached a message and it was, what's your plan? Yes. And then there were seven steps. I can't tell you six of them. <laughs> but number three was uh, expect fear and walk through it. Wow. And in that... Yeah, and don't let yeah. it stop you. Yes, and I and in that moment, that morning I was not that I would ever get grumpy, but I was a little grumpy that morning. <laughs> and uh, imagine three kids uh, driving from St. Stephen. You have three little girls. Three little girls. Yes. Yeah. Five, three, and two. And, yeah. and so they, they can be loud, and they can kind of grind your gears a little bit. And so I was a little grumpy that morning. But I, I remember when Adam got up there, I remember feeling just God say, you know, this message is for you. And I was like. Okay, I'll listen. And he got to three and he just broke me. And in that moment, I knew that my call of ministry and my call to St. Stephen kind of came together. Coincided. And uh, for many times I brought up ministry with, with Shauna and there was both of us 
we kind of chose security over what we perceive to be our destiny. Sure. And uh, I actually, there's a, a great quote from uh, Craig Rochelle in a book that uh, I just finished reading Divine Destiny. Yes, yeah. And uh, Divine Direction, yeah. sorry. Yeah. And uh, it was in order to step into your destiny, a lot of times you'll have to step away from your security. Wow. And in that moment, I made, I, I wanted to step away from my security yeah. and step into my destiny. Uh, when we left our, our meeting that night, I thought about there's a passage in Isaiah 6 where he just like, the voice of God is so strong in his heart where God then goes and says, you know, who will, who will I send? Who will go? And Isaiah responds like, here I am, send me. And I left that just like, man, there's a gripping happening in your guys' hearts. That's like, I, I can't say no to this. I'll be like, I'll be breaking something so deep with what God is doing. And yet God has like, step by step, you know, brought you to this point. And I think used, you know, you say you're running from a calling. Maybe it just wasn't time yet. And I think that's, that's probably the reality. And I think it's so exciting to think how God moved you to St. Stephen to, to serve that city and to serve that region. Cause our heart, and I think God's heart's beyond St. Stephen. It's, it's really the whole Charlotte County area, Callis. Mm -hmm. We just think, man, the kingdom needs to crash in there in a profound way. But God moved you there to serve through law enforcement. Yeah. And now he's shifting that into, into... And what's crazy is we were in Fredericton. I was working in Keswick at the time. And I was... I, I put together a little business plan. We were getting ready. We thought, well, we'll leave the RCMP and we're going to start our own ministry. And uh, then a promotional opportunity came in St. Stephen. And I was like, well, let's go to St. Stephen and see what happens. And... Uh, it was yeah. only meant to be a three-year post. It was. It was, yeah. it was a stepping stone into what came next, whatever that ended yeah. up being. And we just got there. And within a year, I think the first week we kind of, you said you looked out the window and you're like, well, we'll only be here for a couple of years. <laughs> and within that first year, we were just like, I don't want to leave. Do you want to leave? No. We just found this community that just really did feel like home. And we fell in love with the people. And yeah, when he talks about like, the Lord breaking his heart for that community. It's, it's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. They desperately, they desperately need him. Yeah. And what's crazy is we have roots there too. Like my family's from Campobello and Blacks Harbor. Okay. Right. So, so you're, you're get the, in your DNA. Yeah. So we're, county. I feel like we're back home and we fell in love with St. Stephen and, and even prior to deciding to move into a different direction, we said we were never leaving St. Stephen. Like St. Stephen is home. Yeah. We were called to this place and so yeah. we were staying there. That's incredible. Yeah. It's just been amazing to see how God is guiding your steps. You were already serving in St. Stephen yeah. and living there. Um, so what do you want to see God do in St. Stephen and yeah. Charlotte County? Like what's your dream for that area? It's on your heart. So it's been amazing what's already taking place so we're we have a home church started up now in st stephen and like we're busting at the seams <laughs> right like i mean last week uh at 20 is our max plus family so we had 22 last week and that was the max like yeah. under the order that's as far as we can go and we You're have technically a government employee right now so you yes i have to <laughs> that has to be maintained <laughs> for, for I, a few I more months very, anyway i'd be in a lot of trouble yeah. um but it's been the, the core group that has already come together just love the community. They love Charlotte County. I have, there's people from St. Andrews, people from St. Stephen, people from some of the rural areas around, and they all have a heart for the area. And the, that core group, I think 
that that vision, what we're seeing already, is what I want to translate into a church. Yeah. I, I want to see. I want it to be a church where everybody's welcome. Yeah. When you walk in the door, I don't want it to be who's the new people. I want it to be, come up, shake their hand. You know, you are welcome. We cannot. We are excited to have you here. Like that excitement that's already birthed. I want that to continue in in church. Yeah. Uh, I see. Just from the people I'm being contacted with already. I think we're going to have a church at the beginning that's full of people that have either never been to church or haven't been to church in a very long time. Yeah, so it's going to be a yeah, it's going to be a church of the unchurched. Yeah, and that's who we are as a as a church, right? Like, yes. I mean, that's and that's one of the exciting things too about you know there's the unique way that God has set you guys up for this and He's prepared your heart and yet you're also coming out of something that's pre-existing that yes. you know in the, who we are as a church and that you're planting king's church there and so our mm -hmm. dna is already in you you guys have been part of our church for the last few years i mean driving 90 minutes every sunday <laughs> with three little girls i mean and that's that's one of the big things i mean i knew right away that god had your heart for this because you guys have been already sacrificing to be part of this church and like the the step of faith required to step out of a very secure career in law enforcement. I mean, you're you, you're locked in. If you wanted to just stay in that, you could. And yet, for the sake of what God wants to do in St. Stephen, for the sake of his call on your guys' lives, you're, you're stepping out. And I am confident, I really am confident, like that there's gonna be an amazing move of God in St. Stephen. Yes. And uh, I wouldn't be, I, w I care about you guys enough to, like if God wasn't in this, I would never have asked you. You know, and I, I know God is moving us there, and so I'm really excited. So I just wanted your, you guys today to, to meet Pete and Shauna, and a uh, few things I'm going to ask. You know, in the old days, you guys went to church when you were kids. Remember, like, yes. when, missionary, <laughs> when missionaries would come, and they'd be like, hey, there's, you know, we're, we're going to Ghana. Well, these guys are missionaries. They're not moving their house, but they're on mission in St. Stephen. And we're going to ask the same thing of our church that we, that missionaries ask. And we need we need financial support. You know, that's part of what this offering's all about. Is like we need just the dollars to launch this well. We need space, equipment, people, all those things. We need prayer support. Please, like maybe we need to print off one of those cards that you put on your fridge with the Stubbs family. Remember, like, remember that from missionaries? But no joking aside, like please, like my prayer warriors out there, King's Church. I don't care if you're at Halifax, Charlottetown, you're an online person you're Ontario Alberta can you like just take a mental snapshot of, of Pete and Shauna and their three little girls and please cover them in prayer in this season I know one thing the devil doesn't want this and and yet I believe when we agree with God's heart you there's no weapon formed against you that'll prosper I believe that with all my heart we've seen it in our ministry and you guys are just gonna see God do incredible things but we have to ask we need to pray and uh, the third thing I'd ask is if you are already even as we're talking feeling your heart stirred for st. Stephen uh, that area maybe you're you're in Penfield st. Andrews st. George Callis uh, we're calling you. We want we want God to do something there, and it's going to take people who are also willing to say, "Hey, I hear the call as well," and we're in. So I'm so excited, guys. This is just the beginning, and God is going to do a great and mighty work. So stay tuned, y'all. Come on, somebody. Come on, I'm excited. That's exciting.
We're going to hear, obviously, there's, there's much to be done between now and, uh, you know, our, our target is to launch next fall. Uh, Pete's going to be coming on. Our team full-time is going to finish up uh, in the RCMP. Uh, and I think as of March, going to be coming in here full-time, and it's going to be all systems go to try to launch in St. Stephen. I'm just, uh, there's so many things we could say about how God has lined this up. And I'm just excited about you know, God's heart for St. Stephen. And I'm excited that we get to be part of that. And that, you know, you guys in Halifax, Nova Scotia, or Charlottetown PEI, or even folks in Ontario or Alberta that are part of this church, we get to contribute to the mission of God going out into St. Stephen. And I'm just really, really excited. And we've got to raise some money for this. And so that's really our priority this, this year as we kind of take this special offering. And I ask us all to consider taking a step to give and invest. Uh, ultimately, it's going to go to launching in St. Stephen. It's going to go to launching the King's Academy and then how we can beef up this church in our ministry. Ultimately, here's what I'm asking everybody to do. This is not a, a drive-by guilting. This is not a, oh, you better give. It's not, it's not what this is. Uh, this is a moment where we get a chance in a sacred moment of opportunity, a window of opportunity where we can do inventory on where we've come and what we have and we can put first things first and we can actually take a step of faith to see God do a new thing in a new day. And I'm asking everybody just to take a step. That's the, that's the universal ask here today is to take a step and trust God to do the rest. And everybody's step's gonna look different. And I don't measure my step based on your step and you don't measure your step based on my step. We all take a step and if everybody takes a step, there will be enough there for us to be able to see God move into those areas to launch St. Stephen. We need, we need a couple hundred thousand dollars at least to be able to do this well and to do it right. And some of you are like, it costs that much money? Well, we'd actually take more, but we need serious dollars to be able to do this. We've done it. This is our fifth campus. We know what we're doing and we know what it takes. And I'm just gonna be upfront about it. We need some of you. Uh, to dig really deep. And some of you God's even putting a burden on right now, especially for the St. Stephen thing. Uh, but we need, we need dollars for this. But everyone's gonna take a step. So there are, there are four steps. Here's our next steps. Bring up that slide. Our next step, step one, I want you to pray and ask about your next step. Some of you have already been doing that. Some of you, the next number two, some of you need to take a step of ownership. Some of you have never contributed to the mission here. And I'm asking you to contribute something. You've received and you've benefited from this ministry, maybe through Celebrate Recovery, maybe through our Sunday services, you attend online or what have you. Maybe you're new at Charlottetown. You need to take a step of ownership and say, you know what, I'm part of this and I'm gonna carry some weight. And so I'm asking you to take a step and to start contributing financially. The, ne the next step, some of you need, who have been contributing off and on, I wanna challenge you to take a step of stewardship and I want you to actually start putting God first in your finances. It's a time as a disciple to say, you know what? I'm gonna actually follow Jesus by putting him first. And the hardest place to do that for most of us is in our area of finances. And that's why Jesus preached on it more than any other area. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You cannot serve two masters. You're either gonna follow me with your money or you're gonna follow your money and then try to follow me and it's not gonna work. And so he says, put me first. And that's why a lot of us around here, Melanie and I included, we, we give 10%, we save 10%, and we live off 80. 
And that's what I challenge some of you to take that test. Put God first out in the mount and start to follow him that way and say, God, I'm going to give you first and then trust you with the rest. A lot of us get it backwards and say, oh, well, if there's anything left, I'll contribute. But I want to challenge some of you to take that discipleship step and to start giving to God first. The last category, some of you are already stewards. You're already practicing first fruit. So for you, it's a step of partnership. Ask God, God, what would you have me give this year above and beyond? Uh, that's what Melanie and I are doing. I'm not asking you to do something we're not doing ourselves. Uh, I don't have a ton of cash kicking around, but what we have done for the last several years now is we've prayed about, Lord, you want our 10%, you want our first fruits, you have it. God, beyond that, how much do you want us to expand our giving as an offering of faith to invest in this church? And we have for the last few years expanded our weekly giving so that through the run of the year, there would be extra that the church could utilize to invest in these initiatives. And that's what I asked some of you to do. Some of you uh, can ask the Lord, 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 what would you have me give today or throughout the whole year? Either or is fine. So here's how you respond. I'm going to pray in just a minute, but here's how you can respond. We need you to go to the website. I don't know if you guys can bring that up or not, but go to King's Church website, and there you will see a Next 40 thing, and you can go to the Next 40 website, or you can go to the commitment form. I want you to go to the commitment form, and I want you to go down through the options. The reason we need you to do this and not just throw something in the bucket is We actually need to know what has come in so that we can say, hey, that was given for for the expansion of the church and King's Academy and St. Stephen. We need to actually have good data so that we can make good decisions. Does that make sense? So it's a bit of a buzzkill to like go on and fill out all this stuff. We know it's intrusive and it's asking all kinds of information, but what it does is it helps us get good information so that we can make good decisions and good investments. Amen? So if you go on there, you fill out your name, give us your email, let us know which location you're part of. We've got a St. Stephen option in there. So if you're in St. Stephen, let us know. And then there's a couple next steps, things you can click through. And then down here, I'm committing to take ownership, start giving consistently. Or maybe some of you are going to start giving through stewardship or for a first time. Some of you... Uh, might need to become kingdom builders. And what that is, is for people who have maybe the means to go a a little further financially and to be able to give above and beyond a a more substantial financial gift, I'd encourage some of you to do that. Listen, for us to launch St. Stephen, for us to accomplish, you know, growth in Halifax and West, it's going to take the widow's, widow's might and the millionaire's million. And both are so valuable in God's eyes. And so we aren't trying to make anybody feel bad or less than. The same ask is for everybody. Everybody in Israel, when when Joshua called them forward, had to take a step. It looked different for every person, but they all had to take a step. And that's what I'm asking you to do today. Would you stand to your feet? I want us to pray. I want us to consecrate this next 40 season. Are you with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you today. God, we thank you for 40 years, and today we say today is a new day. And I even want to declare that just just that our souls would hear uh, that there is a new work beginning, and there's a new 40 years unfolding, and that right now, God, we are turning away from what was, and we are going to forget the former things in as much as they would hold us back. 
and we're going to step forward in the future. Father, we thank you today for what you're doing. Thank you for our locations, God. We thank you for Pastor Seth in Halifax and Leanne and what the, what's happening there. We thank you for Johnny and Lisa in PEI and the community that's building there. We thank you for Pastor Adam and Julie and the team and the great congregation that is growing on the west side. And then, of course, here at the Valley and online. Lord, we thank you for how you've established us. But we say, God, thank you for calling us forward, that the best is yet to come, that, you're, that this is a new beginning. And now, Lord, I ask that you would stir our hearts for greater and more. God, we thank you for Pete and Shauna, and we thank you for what's beginning in St. Stephen. We thank you for the home church. It's going to be a launch core. We thank you, God, that there are people that are part of that church that don't even know it yet. And we call them out and we call them forth. Lord, we call forth resource to be able to launch well and soon. We ask that in Jesus' name. So, Father, we are your church. We hear your call to move forward. We thank you that the kingdom is moving forward. We thank you, Lord, that the, the gates of hell will not prevail. We thank you, Lord, that you're leading us to ever-increasing glory. Lord, we thank you that our kids and our kids' kids are going to be in a greater and more glorious church than we are even this day. We just declare that in faith. Now, God, would you lead each heart in an act of cheerful generosity and investment we rebuke scarcity, we rebuke shame in the name of Jesus, and we say only cheerful giver, givers please God. So Father, across this whole church, wherever people are hearing the sound of my voice, would you stir up generosity, investment, and consecration, and we pray this in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen. Let's just give God a great clap of praise. Come on, God, you're gonna do great things. Come on, amen.